Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. Peg in the Rosenzweig household, and we are going to be rocking and rolling through this episode. A couple Matty lights going down the tube. I'm excited to talk some sports with you. We're going to talk headlines because a lot of stuff's going on in the world. We didn't get to talk to you last week about some of the bigger trades happening. We're going to get to you about some trades. Let's start off, though, with the NBA because we're going to be all over the place this first segment. How about four first-rounders for Jimmy Butler? Good deal or a bad deal? Hit me with it, Wits. I think it's a good deal. I like it for both sides. I think the Rockets are in win now mode. Um, they've got James Harden at you know the peak of his career. Um, you got Chris Paul right on the tail end of his. I think um, you got a couple good pieces over there. Um, Clint Capella, Aaron Gore, Eric Gordon. Um, you got a Carmelo who coming off the bench. You know, it's atrocious. I don't know. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't mean, know where but, you're going with this. One. <laughs> I mean. Could might be able to provide a little spark to this Rockets team, but on the other side, you've got a Timberwolves team that um, I don't know. I, I don't like the dynamic this year. I mean, obviously, you've all heard about Jimmy Butler having it out with you know basically the entire Timberwolves organization, and they've still got some pieces that are going to be there. I think for a long time. So I don't think it's do or die right now in the West, especially with a team like Golden State. I think getting four first rounders, you know, especially in the NBA. It could be such an awesome thing for the Timberwolves down the road. Because, you know, we've seen rookies come in, and I think you can make an argument that, you know, basketball, I think rookies can make the biggest impact. I mean, I know we get Saquon Barkley, Baker Mayfield in football, but um, basketball, I think guys can really take over the game and getting four first rounders, um, I think could do a lot of, could pay a lot of dividends for this Minnesota Timberwolves team, which has Carl Anthony Towns. I think is a top 15 player in the league and Andrew Wiggins who I mean I don't think the story is completely told on him yet I think he could develop into a top 20 player eventually I don't think he's there yet um you got Jeff Teague so I like the deal on both sides I don't know what your thoughts are but I think the Rockets are a little more desperate right now to win because you know they were one game away from getting to the NBA championship last year um they made it to game seven and were had huge leads in game six and seven that they just couldn't hold down so I like the move. I think Jimmy would add a lot to that Rockets team. Gives them three ISO threats with Harden, Jimmy, and Chris Paul. Um, so I like the deal all the way around, and I think you know it would make the Rockets, I think, a very scary team because they're off to a pretty slow start right now, and that kind of has me worried. 
Right, and I think the trade's great for the Rockets as well because not only does it add another ISO player, it adds a defender, something James Harden really isn't. And Chris Paul, like you said, kind of at the tail end of his career, who knows his speed and but can mean, he keep up with the best of the point guard. Meanwhile, James Harden injured himself somehow, hurt his hamstring. Um, right, all you can do is threes. Right, <laughs> I mean, and of course, this is the year that I drafted him in fantasy, so he gets hurt. Um, kind of hard to get hurt when you don't play any defense and you just shoot threes and post, you know, it's only 30. a two game injury though, with, so your, your panic mode is a little bit too soon. We're going to do a lot of too soon here as we're going to kind of break down the NBA in a small segment, but it's I ne- did want to hey, finish it's, off. It's never I, too soon to snip John Gruden. It's never too soon to snip John Gruden, even 10 in the first year of his 10 year deal. Finishing up on my Rockets and Timberwolves point, I don't think it's a great trade for the Timberwolves. You have to assume that these picks are going to be outside of the top 20 and tell me the last time. Like there's been multiple years in a row where you have a player who's drafted 20 through 30 that's going to be an impact player right away, dash a player down the line that you can count on. The NBA draft is the most risky draft of all sports. Literally, there's three players a year who make any bit of an impact, and usually they become between one and five. So I don't know if the Timberwolves are really in need of that. I think they need more star players. But like for the Rockets, I was saying they grab another all-star to go up against this Warriors team that is absolutely stacked. Again, Boogie Cousins will be back at a certain point, and you can't forget that he is an all-star, and he's a perennial center that not many teams have. I think this Warriors team is the most unfair team I've ever seen. I can't even build one in 2K like it. But way too early NBA stuff. Let's get after it. The Cavs are about to head to 0-5 here on Thursday night. The Cavs, to me, I took a nice bet that they wouldn't win over 35 games I think I'm on that path right now showing once again that Dan Gilbert's the worst owner slash general manager in pro sports or whoever he has hired for their general management position is awful you didn't care for LeBron you didn't carry for put players around LeBron now you're going to suffer I see an Owen 82 like I said we're doing a lot of early statements right now Tell me, what are you feeling about the Lakers? They had a tough start, got their first win the other day against the Suns, a team that I thought would be more on the up-and-up. The Suns have not been so much on the up-and-up, even with all their young talent. Lakers, though, is it early to, or is it an early concern, or is it just natural LeBron's going to take a little molding time in L.A.? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think it'll take some time to mold. I think if you remember back to when he was first on the Heat, that uh, was a little bit of a scary situation um, when you had you know, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, who I think were much better than anybody on the Lakers right now. So I think it'll take a little time, but I don't know, Roz. I don't think the Lakers are that good. I mean, when you have LeBron, I think you're pretty much a shoo-in to go at least 500 because the guy is just so good. But, I mean, is this Lakers team, is there any major pieces around him that you know are really worthy of making this team like any any more than like a five or six seed? I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe call me crazy, but I think Ingram absolutely is. I think Lonzo Ball is going to come to his own. Yes, they're all young players, but that's what the NBA is built on is young players. I think this team is going to be very good. You hear LeBron really being excited to coach these guys up. The opportunity to be coached by LeBron only makes these players better. Kyle Kuzma putting up 34 points the other night in overtime. I mean, a guy who is really, really impressive out of Utah. That's actually an example of a pick between 20 and 30s. Um, in the first round that did pan out. But like I said, it doesn't happen very often. I think it's a little early to be concerned about him. I do think LeBron's going to come out hot. Team that you should look at a little bit that is on fire versus not fire. You got the Toronto Raptors at 5-0, and Kawhi Leonard, Love in Toronto so far. And you got the 2-2 two and two Boston Celtics who don't be, seem to be jiving as much as they're averaging only 99.8 points per game. And Kyrie, not so hot. Gordon Hayward, not so hot. Just the other night, they both had an opportunity on the same possession to hit the game-winning three. They both missed wide-open threes. Celtics may be going down a little bit, 
Toronto might be the best team in the East. Early early thoughts from Roz. Early thoughts. I, I think I think Toronto is definitely the best team in the East right now. Um, and you look at, you know, last year they were the number one seed and they basically swapped DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard, who, you know, went healthy, I think is a top, got to give him top five. I was going to say top three player in the NBA when we're looking at both sides of the ball. But, I mean, this Raptors team, I think, is pretty scary. Um, you've got Leonard, you got Serge Ibaka, who, I mean, is good in his role. Kyle Lowry, I think, is a top flight point guard. Um, obviously hasn't had that playoff success, but got some pieces around him. I like Fred Van Fleet. I like Danny Green. Um, I like Jonas Valanciunas. Um, so I think this this team has some pieces. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, the East, they're just not, not very exciting, but I think the Boston Celtics are going to figure out um, – how to play basketball again very soon. I think they've got a lot of pieces as well. And Gordon Hayward, I mean, coming off an injury for the entire 2017 season, I think it's going to get him a little while to get back into things. And Kyrie, I mean, if this team can stay healthy, um, you got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I think two of the great young talents in the league that I think are a little bit underrated. And, of course, you've got Al Horford, who um, I think is a very solid big man. Uh, so I think the Celtics team will be fine. But, you know, as we come up on the end here, Roz, I got one big takeaway before we come up on the end. I think the Central and the Eastern Conference, it's their year. You got the Bucks 4-0, Pistons 3-0, and the Pacers team led by Victor Oladipo. That is 3-2. Early projections from Roz, I like the Central. They're putting those three teams in the playoffs, kicking out either the 76ers or looks like the Atlanta Hawks right now. Okay, that's all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss a show, you know where to find us. LibertyTalk.fm and AMFM. What is up, everybody? We just did a little freelancing. We didn't get so much into Major League Baseball, which we will get to at the end of the show. We got some NBA for you there. Um, But we're going to hop right into college football. Not going to completely recap last week. There's only a couple games, I think, worth mentioning. And that's Purdue just kicking the crap out of Ohio State in a glorious fashion, showing once again that the Big Ten claims to be this almighty conference with the three best teams in all of football, yet they're losing to some scrub, scrub opponents. And I think Purdue, 49-20, to 20, really embarrassed Ohio State. It was good to see the Buckeyes and a little bit of a tizzy. Urban Meyer on the sideline squirming. And, hey, you know what? Honestly, Tyler Strong. I think that was a really cool story behind Purdue. And uh, I'm glad that they got the win for him while he was at the stadium. Really a strong kid. And it was great to see him on uh, SVP the other night. But, yeah, Tyler Strong. And uh, let's just let's just hop into it in terms of this week, Xander. Um, Dude, we got I a mean, big talk. You're not going to let me get my breakdown of last week. I mean, you're not going to give what? me any shit for my NC State pick. Um, really disappointed. I was, I was being generous. It's almost like Christmas for you here for me not harping on yeah, you. Well, I'm going to give myself. I'm going to give myself some crap because that was an awful, awful showing by NC State last week. I know they were on the Which road. Which I did say did not deserve the ranking they were. If you, you did. Listen to the did. show last week. I'm going to get. I'll, you know what? I'll crap on myself. I'll give you some props. Um, they were a fake ranked team. I know they were on the road going into Clemson. It's a very tough place to play, but 41 to seven, just a disgusting effort by the Wolfpack in that one. Um, and they they didn't need 17. They needed about 57 to cover that game. Ended up losing 41 to seven. Very uninspiring effort, but I think that kind of cements Clemson as clearly the second best team right now for me at least in college football um a couple other big matchups you had lsu 
kind of asserting their dominance over another SEC opponent in Mississippi State. They won that game 19-3, to um, not very close. One of the bigger matchups of the week, uh, Michigan-Michigan State. Um, Michigan comes in, wins 21-7. to A lot of pregame and postgame theatrics in that one. Um, he had stomping Still on Still going on a week later. Jim Harbaugh yeah. can't get off of it, yeah, which we, means bet against Michigan in their next game. They can't get their focus straight. Oh, I think I might be betting for Michigan in that one against Penn State because I will actually be in Ann Arbor, maybe get a couple good Snapchats for the Sporting Edge, but I'm traveling up for my first game in the big house ever. So I'm hoping that Penn State is able to take care of business this week because I want an even bigger matchup between Michigan and Penn State. But pretty solid showing by Michigan in that one, Roz. Um, 21-7, I think they just flat out beat up on Michigan State in the second half. I thought the Spartans might have a little chance, a little crack at it, but they just couldn't get anything done. Um, And then the entire Michigan team team proceeded to stomp on their logo, which can't make you feel good as a Spartans fan, but... You know what? When you get beat that bad, um, there's really not much you can do about it. Um, but yeah, those were our ranked matchups. We also had Oregon, Washington State um, was the last one of the week. Washington State, watch out for them. 34-20, um, really took care of business versus Oregon. 27 nothing um, at half, by the way. Yeah, I mean, this, I mean, Oregon, the Big 12 and, excuse me, the Pac-12 and the Big 10, um, Disappointing. I know Washington State is in the Pac-12, but the fact that Oregon was kind of their last, I think their last hope at making the college football playoff, now I think the last hope is Washington State because they sit here but at 6-1. But what six real hope one. do they have? They, they they're they not have. a team. They're 6-1 or a one-loss Washington State won't make it over a one-loss Michigan or Ohio State or Texas. I mean, well, they're you know ways, that Michi- Michigan and Ohio State cannot make it both because they both have one loss right now. And you got a one-loss LSU, one-loss Alabama. I just think the Pac-12 is eliminated as B is what the point I'm trying to make is. But let's, let's it was move dis- into it the was disappointing. 10. It was disappointing, but... If there is one team left, Roz, in the Pac-12, it's Washington State right now. Potentially. But let's move into this week where a top-10 matchup is going to shock the world. A Florida team that just does not want to give Xander and I the benefit of the doubt. We either bet against them or bet for them, but they never hit our side of the bet. They're going up against Georgia in Georgia. Um, It's a pretty hefty spread. We're looking at Georgia minus 7 against a top-10 opponent, so... You never really know which way that's going to go. That either means Georgia's about to win 41-13 to or we're going to get a game that finishes 19-17. I, on this end, do like Florida plus seven. I'm giving them one last shot before they join the John Gruden Snip Awards, and uh, that is my pick for this ultra-big matchup. I'm actually on the other side of this one. I love the fact that Georgia is coming off a bye week. Um, I think it gives Kirby Smart an opportunity to work out all the kinks that plagued this Georgia Bulldogs team in their 36-16 loss at LSU a couple weeks ago. I think Georgia still has a shot to make the college football playoff. I think they're a very good team. I think they just they didn't have the right game plan against LSU a couple weeks ago, but I think they're going to find it this week. Um, you know, Florida, I mean, they're on a roll. I mean, there's, there's no other way to put it. Um, you know, they dropped their conference opener to Kentucky 27-16 in week two, but they've got five straight wins. 27-19 victory over LSU um, and a 37-27 comeback win over Vanderbilt two weeks ago, um, which was a very big win for them. But I just like the Bulldogs in this one. I think they're going to be too much to handle for Florida. And we've all seen Florida try to come from behind. Um, it seems like ever since Tim Tebow left, this offense has been just brutal, brutal to watch. Brutal. And I, I, I like that 41-13 call. Um, 
I think this is going to be a spanking by the Bulldogs, and I think they're going to cement uh, their spot in the SEC um, side of their conference um, over Kentucky and Florida. And then, yeah, we'll take it from there. But I, I like Georgia big in this week. And let's hop right back into the Pac-12 where we have another top 25 matchup where Stanford takes on Washington State. Stanford at home. This has to be a W for Stanford. They're just back into the top 25 rankings after falling out after a couple of bad losses. They're minus three. I'm riding the Cardinal. I think Tiger Woods and all the former Cardinal people will be backing them as well. And uh, let's go Cardinal. Well, I just gave a lot of credit to Washington State being the Pac-12's only hope. And so I'm going to stick with them. Uh, on the road here, plus three. Um, I think they're riding high coming off last week's win over Oregon. Absolutely dismantled the Ducks. Uh, the, the final score was not indicative of how big of a blowout that was. Um, and, you know, fourth time on the road this season playing the Cardinal. Um, Stanford open as a four-and-a-half-point favorite, but the line's dropping down to three heading into, you know, late in this week. So I think you got a lot of, a lot of nice, a lot of smart money on Washington State, including Witz's dollars. So um, look for Washington State to pull this one out on the road. I think this will be a great game. Um, and it's at 6 o'clock Central, which is great because they're not playing at 9 o'clock. It won't be past my bedtime when this game finally finishes. Um, yeah, and I like the Cougars in this one. I got to finally bet against Penn State as we hop into the Big Ten. Iowa going on the road against Penn State. Penn State has lost me nothing but money the last two weeks. Not underperforming ever since their loss to Ohio State. They forget who they are. They're not the Nittany Lions. They're the Nittany uh, Kitties. I was going to say a different word that I bleep myself out from saying, but I'm going Iowa plus six and a half. Go Hawkeyes. They're going to come in there, snipe down the Penn State Nittany Lions, and win this one 21-20. Yeah, my next pick, I'm going right back to the well against a team that did so well for me last year, but I'm taking the well, Florida. you got to you got to say Penn State, or you're on the other side here. You can't just bounce out of this trying to avoid this competition here. No, I'm not going to avoid anything. I like Penn State at home here as well. Um, mainly, I hate both these teams, but I do like I do want to see Penn State win so we can have a bigger matchup in Ann Arbor the next week. But my next pick, I'm going right back to the water well. I'm taking Florida State versus Clemson. Um, another 17-point line that hopefully uh, will be enough in this one. Um, I do like that Florida State's at home, but it's it's tough to pick against a Clemson team that just did so well for me last year. But I do like the Seminoles in this one. I like DeAndre Francois to throw up four tutties. Um, I think this Florida State defense is going to put a little pressure on Trevor Lawrence. We'll see how he does against a little adversity. Um, yeah, and I like Florida State plus 17 here. Uh, what do you got for us next, Roz? What I got for you next after I laugh at you picking against the spread again for Clemson <laughs> is I took Oklahoma State at home plus three and a half against Texas. Texas has beaten me on every bet I've gone against, and similar to the way that Florida's treated me, they have not won me a bet I've gained. So I'm still going to go against them here. Oklahoma State plus three and a half. It'll be Ellinger's first game back. Potentially, it's not even for sure yet. I do like Oklahoma State upsetting Texas here. Wow, that's big. Um, My next game, I'm going to take, where are they? I know they're here somewhere. You're going to be taking Kentucky plus seven. There they are. Kentucky plus seven. This line seems a little bit too good to be true here. Number 12 ranked team on the road versus a Missouri team that's 0-3 in the SEC. Um, this game just kind of stinks that too many people are going to be betting Kentucky, but I'm going to be one of those people. I like them to win straight up here, and I will definitely take the seven points as well. 
That's all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss a show, you know where to find us. LibertyTalk.fm. Purdue plus two for the win, baby. (laughs) Okay. Ross sneaks in a Purdue plus two, riding the hot hand. That is all the time we have here, everybody. We're going to talk NFL, a little bit of World Series action after the break. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report. Bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Chalady, the cow guy, as seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got the Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to the Bubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at Bubba at the Bubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at Bubba at the Bubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, the Bubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. What's up? What's up, everybody? We are back, and of course, better than ever. It was uh, it was a quiet week last week for me in the NFL. I uh, picked up another fantasy victory. The Packers were not on t- television or anywhere, as it was a bye week for them. They got their lovely 14 days off. I'm very excited to see a healthy Rodgers come into L.A., where I will be at the game. I bought tickets again. I will be at the Coliseum for the second time this year, Sporting Edge fans. Come get your autographs from me. I'll take pictures as well. Um but the Packers will be headed to L.A. I don't have a whole lot of news other than the Chiefs are the most dominant team I've seen offensively. And it's funny because the Rams are playing in the same season they are. But Pat Mahomes, Tariq Hill, and Kareem Hunt really are just a, <laughs> a sight to be seen. And if those guys aren't working, feel free, to, feel free to throw it up to Conley, Watkins, or even Travis Kelsey. I mean, I don't know what you've got from last week's NFL, but I am pumped for this week. That is for sure. Yeah, I'm very pumped as well. And, you know, you bring up, Mahomes and the Chiefs and man they are fun to watch um I was up by 22 points going into Sunday night game facing off against Kareem Hunt and Tevin Coleman I thought I might have a sliver chance for victory but Kareem Hunt quickly silenced me with I think 20 points in the first half um man they are they are unbelievable over there in Kansas City and I mean if we could get a Kansas City St. Louis Super Bowl man we could see a score a total in the hundreds um, with how these two offenses are performing. But yeah, a little bit of look around the league last week. Um, had a very awesome game with the Chargers and Titans, 20 to 19. The Chargers took it home um, versus the Titans. Titans, whew, they dropped their last three, um, making Wits look bad with uh, calling them a good team a couple weeks ago. Also, one of the best finishes of the week Patriots, Bears, uh, Kevin White making arguably the biggest catch in his pro football career. Um, Too bad it was one yard short of a score. Uh, Mitch Trubisky threw up a 50-yard bomb as time expired, and Kevin White actually caught the ball, but he was a yard short, um, got swarmed by four Patriots defenders and couldn't reach the ball across the line. That was a pretty good game. Roz, what's going on with the Eagles here? Defending Super Bowl champions up 17-0 at home, and they proceed to give up 21 fourth-quarter points to Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers, I mean, I think if you're an Eagles fan, you've got to be worried here. Am I wrong? 
I don't think you're wrong. I just don't think they're that good of a team. They just are the Trent Dilfer, Baltimore Ravens. You know, they're, I mean, the quarterback isn't as bad as Trent Dilfer, Trent Dilfer, but that Ravens team wasn't that great of a Super Bowl team. Had a good defense, but honestly, what else did they bring to the table? This Eagles team wasn't that great of a Super Bowl champion. They're not going to go down as one of the greatest teams of all time. And they're showing it. This year has been a pathetic year for them. The NFC East couldn't be more pathetic. And you don't want to let it be close because although I don't think Dak Prescott is the guy that he was two years ago, he does now have Amari Cooper. Um, We'll see. I think the Panthers are definitely better than most people anticipated when you have a guy like Christian McCaffrey and Cam Newton in your backfield. I think there's a lot of opportunity there. for, yeah, uh, let's uh, yeah, let's talk uh, talk about that trade a little bit. Um, Mari Cooper going to the Cowboys for a first round pick. There was a, a wide range of reaction. I think uh, you know a lot around the league, around you know all, among all the sportscasters. My personal opinion, I thought it was a good trade for the Cowboys. I think they're very receiver needy right now. Um, I think their best receiver, arguably, Michael Gallup. I think a rookie, third round pick. Um, I think he's got the most potential. But you know, we got Beasley, we got Terrence Williams, who's injured and suspended, whatever you want to call it. Um, they just don't have a lot of weapons over there. And Alan Hearns, um, you know, I think he's just a pretty average receiver. But Amari Cooper for a first round pick, you know, that's a lot to give up, but. You know, if Cooper can somehow get healthy, get right, get his mind right, maybe Dak Prescott can inch his way over the 200-yard mark on average. Um, I like the move for the Cowboys here. I think this is still going to be a dogfight in the NFC East. I mean, like I said, the Eagles are three and four. The Giants are one and six. The Redskins, the Redskins are four and two. Um, so I think there's a lot of room for a Cowboys team that's three and four who dropped a game to the Redskins last week. They might be able to make a little run here. But you know, what are your thoughts on the Cooper trade, Roz? I think it's a good trade. I think, well, I'm very upset with the Raiders packing it in as fast as they did, but that's a conversation for a later date. I think Cooper is going to a team that wants to throw the ball more, get the ball up to a star guy, and this is really the best option they've had since Des Bryant in his prime. Um, So I think Jerry Jones got what he was hoping for. He doesn't have to worry about wet dreams anymore because it's finally a reality. And uh, I think it'll be exciting for Dallas. I mean, it at least makes them a little bit more competitive in the NFC East, which is already kind of a garbage conference. But Xander, I'm looking forward to this week. I know I keep pushing us forward here, but I want to get to some of the bigger games on the slate. I know that you're a little disappointed with the Thursday matchup and the Monday night matchup, but we do have Packers Rams and they are actually my first pick as I am going to take Packers plus 10 because nobody, I mean, nobody should ever doubt Aaron Rodgers to the full power that people are doubting him in Westgate right now. I'm going Packers plus 10. They come in there, shock the show, beat the greatest show on turf, beat the LA Rams in the Coliseum and walk out four, two and one with their heads held high as the new Super Bowl favorites. (laughs) Very fair, very fair. I'm going back to the Jacksonville Jaguars. As bad as they've looked this year, I think this is the week that Blake Bortles finally turns it around. Um, He actually got benched in the second half last week for a one Cody Kessler. Um, And I think the Jags made the right decision here by going back to Bortles as their starter because Cody Kessler is not the guy who is going to get this team over the hump and get them to the Super Bowl. You know, many people forget that this Jags team did make it to the AFC Championship game last year, um, and they are facing another very underwhelming team in the Philadelphia Eagles. I like the Jags in London, 8.30 a.m. Central Time on Sunday morning, the 28th. Don't miss it. The Jags are going to win. Blake Bortles is going to throw for 400 yards and three touchdowns in this one. Um, I like Jacksonville here. 
I'm going with another AFC team, which there's only two conferences, so obviously my bets have to go one or the other. But I'm going Jets plus eight over the Bears. I'm really just hoping for a Jets win over the Bears anyways. As long as I can see Chicago with an L next to their name, I'll be a happy camper. Seems like a lot of points with the potential for Khalil Mack being out. And the Jets have been performing well, a little bit explosive, explosive as of late, putting up some points like you saw against Denver and even Indianapolis, although they weren't able to pull it out. I like the Jets plus eight. Yeah, Jets have been interesting this year. Um, and Khalil Mack, yeah, a little banged up. So we'll see how that matchup goes. But I'm going to my favorite team in the league. Give me the New York Giants as a pick at home against the Washington Redskins. Very big division matchup here. And the Giants, if they're not out already, if they drop a game this week, they are definitely out. And I think that might be Pat Shermer's early exit to the doors in New York. Eli Manning actually put up you know, almost 400. I think it was 397 yards last week. Um, got Odell Beckham a little bit more involved. Saquon Barkley, I mean, that's a two-headed monster, I think, almost unrivaled by any other wide receiver running back combo in the league. I like the Giants in this one. I think they're going to put up 35 points. You heard it here first. Don't sleep on Eli and the G-Men this week. I fell asleep a long time ago having <laughs> to listen to you talk about the Giants each and every week. Me and you are going to be on the same page with our next pick, though, as we both take the Panthers plus two and a half at home. I don't know why you would deny this team that has looked very, very good. Cam Newton at home, it'll be a place where he can get the crowd loud, silence them when he's on offense. I like the Panthers this week plus two and a half. Yep, I like them plus two and a half as well. Uh, You know, the Ravens, I think, are one of the hardest teams in the NFL to bet either for or against because you never really know what team is going to show up. But I do like the Panthers this week. Um, They had a a huge win against Philadelphia last week. I think they're going to ride that momentum here. Um, I think this game, I think it's going to be a 17-point game. I think Cam Newton's going to come out hot and heavy early. Going to hit Christian McCaffrey for quite a few passes down the field. Um, I like the combo in this one. I like Panthers plus 2.5. My next matchup, I am going with the New Orleans Saints Big, big matchup in the NFC here. Traveling to Minnesota to take on the 4-2-1 Minnesota Vikings. The Saints are plus one in this one. Uh, Drew Brees led a big comeback effort against the Ravens last week. Um, and I like the Saints in this one. I think they go to 6-1 and one and take down Minnesota uh, in their home turf. I'm going with the Bengals, the Wits Bengals, minus wow. three and a half. I like the way they've been playing. I understand that they had a tough go against the Chiefs last week, but it's time for them to re-step it up, throw the ball to A.J. Green a little bit more. I know he got a lot in the first half, but disappeared in the second half. I like Bengals, minus three and a half. Yeah, in my last pick of the week, I'm going with one of the bigger dogs on the board this week, the Denver Broncos traveling to the Space Jam offense of 2018, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, Von Miller, three sacks in this one. I think Case Keenum finds a way to pull out the victory here. Um, 10 point spread. I will take him plus the 10. And I just like, I like Denver in this game. I think they're, you know, I think they're going to make a little run here in the AFC West. I think they're going to make the playoffs as a wild card. Um, and Andy Reid, I just don't think he has enough weapons this week to take down Von Miller in that defense. But that is all the time we have here for the sporting edge. Everybody, if you miss a show, you know where to find us, libertytalk.fm. This will be week Colts eight. minus three is the final pick again as I slip it in at the buzzer. I slip it in, you know, just like you always do. Um, this Woo. is week eight in the NFL. We are already halfway done with this season, and it's crazy how fast it comes and goes. But I think that's what makes it so special. If you miss a show, you know where to find us. We've got MLB coming up. 
World Series. We got to break down the action. Boston, as we sit here on Thursday night, is up two games to nothing against the Los Angeles Dodgers. David Price pitched very well in game two and seems that he's bucked that playoff curse. We'll be back after the break to break it down, everybody. What's up, what's up, everybody? This is the Sporting Edge, and I am not liking what I'm seeing from the Houston Texans. Sorry that it'll caught me off guard a little bit. All of a sudden, Jordan Thomas is the guy receiving touchdowns from Deshaun Watson, not my boy DeAndre Hopkins. But let's talk about Major League Baseball, which is a happier topic most of the time. The Red Sox are taking the Dodgers on in the Major League Baseball Classic, the World Series, October Classic, the November fall, Classic, however. The Fall Classic even, is what you're looking for there, Rob. The Fall Classic is what I was really aiming for. I'm really distraught, if you can't tell. I didn't start Lamar Miller and Deshaun, not Deshaun. DeAndre Hopkins is not performing to the ability that I know he can. But like, like I said, again, David Price has won his last two playoff games. The pigs are flying. The sky is falling. He's winning games. And Chris Sale took it to... Clayton Kershaw in game one. We got a series that I said was going to be a sweep. We're headed that direction, Wits. Tell me how we feel about this World Series. Well, I think this is a tough start for L.A. um, in game one. Clayton Kershaw just did not pitch very well. Four innings, seven hits, five earned runs, got pulled in the fourth. And uh, Chris Sale, I mean, he didn't really exactly take it to the Dodgers. He only pitched four innings as well, but um, the Red Sox really poured it on the seventh inning here three runs um on an eduardo nunez home run i mean with all the bats in that lineup you got devers jd martinez mookie betts jbj ben attendee um eduardo nunez a little bit of an unsung hero there in game one and as a dodgers team i think you feel good coming out of boston if you take one of the first two games but that did not happen in game two like we mentioned david price with the second good playoff start in a row getting the win, going six innings, three hits, two earned runs. Hinjin Ryu, make sure I pronounce that right, went four and two-thirds, was looking pretty good, but ran into a little trouble there in the fifth, uh, four earned runs. And Ryan Matson, I thought this was the turning point in this game. He came in um, for that last third of an inning in the fifth and walked in a run. Um, So not very good there, but... You know, we travel now to game three. We are back in L.A., and obviously this game plays last night because we were recording here on Thursday. But, Roz, we've got the Dodgers as a minus 150 favorite. We've got the young up-and-coming Walker Buehler versus a savvy veteran in Rick Porcello. What are we thinking here in game three? Does L.A. take one, or does Rick Porcello find a way to get that 92-mile-an-hour cutter past all these Dodgers hitters, which are kind of slumping right now? Um, I'm more on the side. I think the Red Sox are going to dominate this game in the same exact fashion. Like you said, young Bueller coming to the plate. We're going to be saying Bueller, Bueller at the end of the night when we (laughs) can't find him anymore. I'm going Red Sox winning this one probably by double digits again, um, which they haven't done in the World Series, but they're going to do for the first time. I I like the Red Sox. Pounded Bueller. We're uh, we're a little stuck on football here, I think. But uh, I like Walker Bueller in this one. Um, I bet against him in Game 7 of the NLCS, and boy, was I wrong. He came out and pitched an unbelievable game on the road in Milwaukee. Um, I think this Dodgers team is a very good team. I don't think they're going to go down three games to none against the Red Sox. I think it's going to be a tight ball game. 
I think Rick Porcello is a guy that, you know, you can really count on most of the time. I think this is going to be a close one, but I think the Dodgers take it. I'm going to say five to three in this one. Um, a guy that I'm looking for, Cody Bellinger, um, didn't start the first two games for the Dodgers. Uh, I kind of question that a little bit. Uh, you know, Dave Roberts, I mean, he's done a fantastic job at the helm in Los Angeles this year, but guy's one of your best hitters, and I know you're facing two tough lefties in David Price and Chris Sale, but I think you got to get your key guys at bats um, no matter who they're facing. So I do like the Dodgers in this one. I think Cody Bellinger goes deep. Um, I'm also looking for Yasiel Puig to have a big game, and before this series is over, you got to count on Justin Turner to get a big hit because he always seems to show up when the Dodgers need him the most. Um, And then, of course, you've got Manny Machado, one of the best bats in the league. So we'll see where it goes in Game 3, but I think the Dodgers need to win on Friday night. They want to keep their hopes in this series alive. Absolutely. And then, of course, baseball will come to an end where we've heard Bryce Harper is looking for a $350 million contract just to begin with. That could go up in a price battle. We'll have to see how that goes. Um, the Cubs are going to need a lot this offseason. They're going to need to figure out how to not be so young and how to get the head on the ball because it's been a tough go of things for the Cubs. But what are you looking forward to most in Major League Baseball free agency? Yeah, well, I mean, I think Manny Machado – um, and Bryce Harper are the two most interesting pieces right now. And it just seems like Manny Machado is destined to end up in the pinstripe for the New York Yankees. Um, Didi Gregorius going down with a late season Tommy John injury. He'll be gone, I think, for a lot of next year. And it just makes all the sense in the world that the Dodgers, or excuse me, that the Yankees would chase after Manny Machado right now. But we'll see. Um, you know, if the Dodgers are able to pull this one off, maybe Manny stays in L.A. But Bryce Harper, another big deal on the horizon. Um, is he going to come to the Cubs? What do you think? Uh, you know what I think. I am hoping that he buys a nice place for himself in Wrigleyville, then gets a second house up in Deerfield next to mine, 1703 Cranchire Court. Wow, I can't believe I put that on the universe. But there it is. Come to leave me mail and everything, and hopefully Bryce Harper will be my next-door neighbor. Yeah, and I think, you know, one guy I got to give a shout out to right now, getting back to the World Series, Steve Pierce, another unsung hero for the Boston Red Sox. He has worn every uniform in the AL East, the Rays, the Orioles, the Yankees, and the Blue Jays. He's played for all of them, and now he finds himself on a Boston Red Sox team that is on the precipice of winning another World Series title. Um, June 28th of this year, Pierce was traded from the Blue Jays to the Red Sox and became the sixth man in Major League history to play for every team in the same division. Um, Also became only the second person ever to play for every club in the AL East. So, you know, I think Steve Pierce is one of the reasons this Red Sox team has been so successful here um, late in the season and in the postseason. They've just got so many guys. They've got so many all-stars, first of all, who just play the game right. Um, they do a lot of great things, and they've also got guys like Nunez, Steve Pierce. Um, so this Red Sox team is going to be very, very tough to beat. And they also have five guys up for the gold glove right now. So, you know, you look at the Red Sox, and I love their philosophy. You know, I was listening to J.D. Martinez talk the other night. was listening to, um, what's his name? Who is the man? Alex Cora, a former player, um, pretty good player in the major leagues. Um and basically their philosophy is they don't really waste 
and they don't take for granted any pitch. I think in a, in a major league baseball, um, in the season where it's just basically home runs, small ball has kind of kind of gotten away from the game a little bit. You look at this Red Sox team who's got a lot of pop, but they also just they really know how to fight. And I think battling with you know two outs and two strikes, I think that's one of the reasons they've been such a successful team this year. Um, and they they find themselves really in the driver's seat for this World Series. So a lot of props to them. Um, L.A., very good team, but if they don't win on Friday night, um, I think it could be tough sledding being down 3-0 in the World Series. I couldn't agree more with everything you had to say. Um, Sports-wise, what else you got for me? Any uh, pressing questions? Nothing really that pressing. Um, Man, we come down here to the end. Um, eh, Let's get back to a little NBA action. Blake Griffin dropped 50 points the other night, 14 rebounds. Um, great game for the Pistons. And like you mentioned, uh, the Pistons are playing pretty well this year. I think a key cog is going to be Reggie Jackson in that lineup. Um, Blake Griffin staying healthy and Andre Drummond, I think one of the best four or five combos in the league. Reggie Jackson is going to be a major piece there. Um, and yeah, we'll see what happens with this trade. If this Jimmy Butler deal goes through, honestly, I hope it does. Um, I'm kind of tired of hearing about the whole Jimmy Butler saga in Minnesota over there. And, also, I'd like to see a little uptick in usage for Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. Um, but yeah, we'll see where it all goes. NBA, we're going to be in full swing in a couple of weeks before you know it. MLB, um, we got about one week left. Hopefully the Dodgers can take this to Game 7 because I don't really care who wins. I just want to see a great series. But that is all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss a show, you know where to find us. LibertyTalk.fm, AMFM247.com. We will be back next week with a real clear-cut picture of the college football playoff. We're going to have NFL halfway through the season. Um, Very exciting time in sports here, and we might even talk a little NHL next week if we're feeling frisky. Frisky. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.